This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. The coronavirus impacts upcoming UFC events. Wei Li and Joanna deliver a classic. Adesonia retains his title. Whitaker to face Till in Ireland. And UFC Fight Night in Brasilia will take place in an empty arena. We're joined this week by Kevin Lee and Randa Marcos, who both compete at that event in Brasilia this weekend. Thanks to those listening on TSN Radio in Toronto and Ottawa, or to those who subscribe to the podcast, please leave your reviews on uh, iTunes or wherever else you consume your podcast, because we really, really appreciate that. So, uh, yes, the coronavirus. Obviously having a big domino effect in the world of sports, the NBA, NHL, MLB, MLS, and many other leagues are suspending their schedules, suspending their operations, as the World Health Organization has declared the coronavirus to be a pandemic and are recommending social distancing. So as a result, large-scale events of all sorts, including Live Nation tours, are being canceled or being held in empty venues. Speaking of which, we now know that Bellator 241 tomorrow night will be held in an empty venue. And reports are coming out that the UFC events in Brasilia, of course, this weekend, as well as Columbus, Ohio, and Portland, Oregon, are going to be moved to Las Vegas, likely at the UFC Apex. Now, next week's event in London, England, is a little bit up in the air because there would be limited time for them to turn that around for Las Vegas. That seems like it's not an option. And, of course, the travel ban for Europe, instituted by President Donald Trump yesterday, prevents a lot of people from traveling back and forth freely, especially those that are uh, from outside of the United Kingdom, as the United Kingdom is exempt from that travel ban. So logistically, the easiest thing for the UFC to do would be to hold the event in an empty arena in London because you'll have your fighters. Most of them are coming from that region. You have broadcasters from that region. You can probably hire crews and uh, production um, you know, those who set up the production from that region. So right now, that's uh, what the situation is. We don't really know what's happening with UFC Fight Night in London. In fact, we don't really know what's happening with any of these UFC events in an official capacity as the UFC have yet to comment on them as of the time of this recording. Now you'll hear that uh, one of the voices of the show is missing. That's uh, Bazooka Joe Valtellini. However, Joe is going to join us on the phone and he does so right now. I'm now joined by my co-host, Joe Valtellini, who's uh, joining us from his condo. You know, you're not, you're yeah. not out covering a glory event. So Joe sent me a message yesterday saying, I don't know how worried you are about the coronavirus, but I have uh, a sore throat and a cough. And uh, just, you know, I'm, I'm happy to come in. I feel okay. But what do you think? And I said, you know what? Let's just play it safe. Yeah, Better safe than sorry. Go. There's distance. Keep the distance. Yeah, just, I mean, I, I feel great. It's just more of like I know how much everyone's panicking, and I wouldn't want to put people in a stressful situation. I mean, you got kids too, so, you know, I want to keep uh, the Bronsetter family free of it. Well, thank you. Although it's, they're saying that kids are barely being affected by it. That they're, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, apparently when uh, you get an illness, when the reason you get a fever is because your fever is fighting the illness. And for children, apparently the illness is, is not... I don't know if that, that the best way to put it is that it's not like strong enough or impactful enough on a child that they, you know, release that a fever breaks in order to help them fight it off because it, it tends to attack people with weaker immune systems. But 
you know, a lot of people talk about, oh, it's not as dangerous as the flu, and the flu kills more people. Well, let, let's walk that back a little bit. Like, you know, the, the, flu, the flu has a cure. The flu has been, is, is not an atypical, uh, you know, virus. This is an atypical yeah. virus. This is a virus that is spreading and uh, that people are using, you know, needing to use respirators as well as different uh, public services in order to combat and a lot of different countries have shown that they don't have the resources to combat it in that fashion. So when people start comparing it to other things, I think that's extremely short-sighted. Oh, I agree. I mean, I think the only thing we could really relate it to is SARS, where we had to shut things down. Tourism was affected by it. Like, that's the, the closest thing I can remember. Yeah, and that wasn't even as global as this is. I mean, this has yeah. become a global thing. So uh, right now, we don't know how it's going to affect combat sports as of the time that we are Recording this in terms of the UFC schedule, I mean, the UFC, according to reports, will be holding their Brasilia event in an empty arena that's closed to the public uh, on Saturday. They've canceled ceremonial weigh-in, so they are starting, starting to take precautions. Again, according to a report from Combat in Brazil, the UFC hasn't really come forward with anything just yet as to what the plan is going forward. Uh, we've also seen that the boxing match at uh, the theater at MSG featuring Shakur Stevenson is uh, going to take place in front of an empty arena. We've seen one championship events take yeah. place in front of a, an empty arena as well. I know, Joe, you've told me that Glory is working on their game plan right now. Um, yeah. And we're Bellator. Talking, we're discussing. Yeah, and Bellator right now is uncertain as well for Bellator. I believe it's 241 this weekend um, at the Mohegan Sun Casino. So right now they are trying to figure out exactly what to do in all of these different circumstances. We've seen the NBA, NHL, MLB, you know, just about everybody. Uh, MLS, they're all suspending operations uh, or suspending the season for the time being. Uh, we saw that there was a State of the Nation yesterday from uh, President Donald Trump talking about yeah. uh, restricting travel in and out of Europe. So right now it looks like things are really starting to come to a head in terms of preventative measures, uh, both in the world of sport and uh, in the world of, I guess, uh, foreign travel. Yeah, and to me, it's interesting. I'll keep it related to combat sports, but if you think of what a gym environment is and what you're doing, it's it's a breeding ground for sickness and illness and bacteria and germs. So I mean, I mean, as as a fighter, we have to all be careful. You got to think how dirty and how many germs and bacteria are in our gloves and our shin guards, and when you're clinching and grappling and wrestling, you're breathing, and it's just such close contact. So I mean. It's very hard for even a fighter to get out of a, a traditional camp without getting sick. So, I mean, I think we just all got to be careful, and I don't think we know what's going on. So, um, I kind of like that, uh, you know, we're, we're taking all these measures. But uh, I think now I'm getting worried. You know, I think I would say about a, a week ago, I was like, ah, you know, it's just nothing. I'll be fine. I just ignored my day. But I think this now something uh, has to be a little bit more serious. And I think at my gym, too, I want to start making sure um, we do everything possible to keep everybody safe. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned the impact on gyms. That's something that people aren't really discussing either. Is like, if there's, if there are fighters, you know, at a, at a host hotel that are training near somebody, whether it's a training staff, somebody on the, you know, that works for the UFC, like this thing can spread very quickly. Yeah. Um, we we've already seen the two members of the Utah Jazz tested positive for it. So, you know, this is no joke, and I think that. When people are saying, "Oh, this is an overblown, you know, media creation," I, I think that they probably should should walk that one back. Uh, you know, even Dana White, when I spoke to him on Saturday night after the event, didn't seem all that concerned about it. But now, I expect that the UFC will follow uh, the other leagues that have come forward. Now, the big difference, though, is that 
the UFC, Bellator, all of these different combat sports entities, they're, they're promotions. They're sports promotions. They're sports entertainment entities. They're different from leagues. You know, leagues are run with board of governors and um, lots of different stakeholders. And, the, you know, the, the players have a say in what's going on. They come to the table and they all reach kind of a mutual agreement. This is the kind of thing where you almost have to compare it to like a concert promotion. You know, it's a, it's a one-night event happening in a different city every single time. It's not like a yep. full league schedule where you've got five days or seven days a week, rather, of, of games, so to speak. So when people are saying, oh, the UFC is being tone deaf or the UFC aren't, aren't responding fast enough, you're comparing them to entities that are run in a completely different fashion. Yeah, and I, totally I just think that, I think that people need to kind of realize that, A, you know, when Endeavor bought the UFC, they took on a lot of debt. And they're paying that debt back slowly but surely. But when you, when you look at that specific uh, situation, they get about, I think it's 3 or $4 million just from ESPN for every event that they show, that, the, for the content that they create. And that's just from ESPN. They also have global rights holders uh, everywhere else that give them you know, money. They have to have events in order to raise the revenue that they themselves. need to pay it yeah. back. So I, I, if, I, if I were to make a prediction, and uh, you know, I don't know how accurate this will be, and it's not from a, a, you know, a, a, you know, it's not educated information, so to speak, but I think that they're going to continue running these events. Now, where they run these events, I don't know. It could be at the apex. It could be at empty arenas. But I think that for the sake of the revenue that they, w- that they need to make, um, and, and if they're able to assess that it is going to be in a safe environment for the fighters uh, and that they're taking all the preventative measures necessary, I wouldn't be surprised if they... Uh, take these events and continue to hold them uh, despite what's going on with these other leagues. You know, again, these leagues have 10 games a night sometimes. Yeah, you know, there's, there's, it's not just one event. So uh, that's just my own, you know, personal assessment of what I think that they're going to do uh, based on the knowledge that I have. But do you think it's, I don't think it's fair one for the fighters to have to fight in that environment. Like it's it's a very... Um, when you're fighting, especially world titles, and you're putting on big fights that are going to influence your career, you're influenced by the environment. I mean, when and if you're a fighter, you visualize walking out and people shaking your hand, uh, the attention, the noise. I mean, being in a fight and people cheering and chanting, like that elevates you to a new performance level, um, gets you in the zone. It's a feeling that you can't recreate. So I think it's, it's going to be tough for a lot of fighters to, to maybe be motivated in that setting. I, I think I would have a hard time with it. Yeah, I agree with you. But I also think that since it's, you know, it takes two to tango, it, both of the fighters are going to have to deal and with that simultaneously. Paid, right? Yeah, they want to get paid. Otherwise, it's work or no work. So mm-hmm. I get it. But I just don't think it's an optimal environment for the fighters to compete in. I agree with you completely. And we've seen one championship do it. And, uh, you know, there certainly is a, a level of atmosphere that is missing when uh, that kind of thing happened. Now, Tony Martin, or Anthony Rocco Martin, as they call him now, Wrote, uh, wrote this you know, t- earlier today on Twitter. I would bet that more than half of the fighters would expose themselves to coronavirus before not getting to fight. We aren't a, we aren't a union and, and don't get paid to fight. Or sorry, don't get paid not to fight. Or to not fight, rather. Most spend all their money getting to their next fight. Yeah. So he, uh, that, that's how he lays it out. Uh, do you agree with that assessment? Well, I mean, it, it's tough because you, you do have to get paid. And that's one of the, the worst things about being... Um, part of a, a self-contracted fighter. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you have to agree with him. I mean, I don't know. What, what's your thoughts on it? Give me your thoughts. Well, this is one of the products, again, of the fighters not having a union. 
and not and, having and a seat that's at the table. The first thing. Yeah. So, and I also think that's one of the reasons why I again I believe that the UFC is going to continue to hold these events and uh, just try to figure out where they're going to be able to hold them. And I think that holding them at the apex makes a lot of sense because it's a contained environment. Um, you know, they can run everything. Obviously, the commission will will run the event, but it's a smaller setting. There, there's not as many seats. It would be considered a small event, not really a public gathering. And uh, I believe that that's probably what what they'll end up doing. Do you think they could? Te- uh, would they test fighters before as well for the virus? Well, this is the thing about what's going on in America right now is that the, the tests seem seemingly are t- hard to come by and expensive, and not a lot of people are getting access to them. I, uh, from what I understand, there's a governor right now that is in quarantine and hasn't been able to get a test because they're not like readily available. And that's one of the big issues going on right now stateside. Um, you know, in Canada, Justin Trudeau said this week that he's put aside one billion dollars for you know controlling the coronavirus. Uh, so you know, and it looks like there's been a, a, a bit more of a proactive approach. Uh, however, in the U.S., I don't know what the deal is, but all the members of the Jazz man- managed to get tested yesterday when it became a concern. So I just don't know if it's a cost thing or, or what is precluding people from taking these tests, but it doesn't seem like they're readily available. Well, if the other thing that just popped to me is eventually I think the travel to the event is going to be an issue. I mean, um, even, even though you want to put on an event, you might have to only put on local fighters uh, wherever you are because if you want to bring in European fighters and they're not allowing it. And I mean, that's, I think airport travel is going to be a big issue as well. Absolutely. And next week is the card in London, England, coincidentally. And whether that means that they're not going to allow people that are U S citizens to travel to and from Europe, or if they decide to hold it in Las Vegas, not allowing fighters from Europe to travel to Las Vegas, that event I think is totally in flux right now, because um, if they do want to hold this event, I just don't know how they're going to, from a logistical standpoint, do so. Yeah, but the, the other problem is you could, like, for example, um, if I go to Europe and all of a sudden I'm in Europe now and then all of a sudden Trudeau's like, okay, we're not accepting fights from Europe and then I'm stuck in Europe. So, I mean, I think a lot of fighters don't want to take that chance as well, not knowing right now. So I think that's a risk that I personally wouldn't really want to take. And but, that's what kind of scares me about Glory being in Belgium. Although I will clarify that uh, the U- uh, President Trump yesterday did say that the U.K. was exempt from this Euro- European travel thing. So whether or not that has an impact on, um, you, you know, the travel to the U.K. Yeah. is probably it probably would have a minimal Im- impact in terms of the travel to the U.K. But uh, again, it's just a lot of things are up in the air right now. And we just don't have a ton of answers going forward as to what the UFC plans on doing. It's a scary time in general. Never mind the UFC. This is, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to be positive about it, but this could this could turn out really bad. I mean, I my thing is the next probably schools. Um, when are they going to start closing down schools and workplaces? And, yeah, in the U.S., parts of the U.S., they've already started closing schools for yeah. in Italy. Know, for Italy's, North Italy is is one of the worst right now, mm-hmm. from my understanding. There's they're closing down. You're not even allowed to be leaving your house and be caught on the streets. Um, it's, it's, it's getting there in some parts of the world. So let's, uh, let's just hope for the best. Absolutely. So, uh, let's just, um, I guess, look back at this past weekend's card. I know that obviously the coronavirus is top of mind, but, uh, I do, I would be remiss if we didn't discuss UFC 248, uh, the main event between Israel Adesanya and Yoel Romero. 
we saw Yoel Romero kind of came out with a shell defense. He was starting to implement a bit of a beehive defense. Uh, None of that seemed to flummox Israel Adesanya, but uh, ended up being kind of a point fight. Israel was unhappy with how the fight turned out. Yoel was unhappy with how the fight turned out. They're blaming each other. So in your opinion, Joe, who's to blame? I think everybody's unhappy. Dana was unhappy. We're unhappy. But it's it's something that happens, and to me, it's it's a it's a stylistic thing. Um, you can't really control these types of fights. We've seen it in a lot of fights. The one that comes to mind is the Woodley Wonder Boy. Um, it's just the stylistically. I mean, if you think about it, Yoel needs to go in and get aggressive. Where. Israel is going to counterpunch. It's obvious based on their body type, their length, their styles of, of the fight they're taking. Um, I'm with probably the majority of people to say that it's Yoel that had to push the pace. Um, you want to get the belt. Um, it's not more of you have to beat the champ to get the belt. That's not my mentality, but it's more of he has to play it safe. He has more to lose at Asanya by taking those big risks. So in his mind, in his game plan, that was the right play. When he did commit, he got hurt, and he had to take a step back and reassess his game plan and keep his distance. So I think it's Adesanya's game plan, you know, was the right one because he had to stay long. Whereas Romero, no doubt, your plan and your game plan, what we've seen from you is pressure, come forward, put things in combination. That There's no surprise how you beat Adesanya, but he didn't push it. And I think that was his mistake and why the fight never really went. I actually thought it was a good strategy for Romero. When you look at what Romero was doing, trying to you know, bait Israel into going first so that he could counter with the big left, made a lot of sense. He just didn't really adjust on the fly. He stuck too, yeah. too much to that. And then when Israel realized that Yoel wasn't going to be attempting takedowns, he just kept you know, beating him up with those leg kicks. And yeah. uh, I thought of a good shirt for you, Joe. You need to get a shirt that says leg kicks win championships. You know that pe- people That's always it. say defense Volkanovsky, wins championships? Yeah. <laughs> Volkanovski, come on, we saw that. We see it now with Adesanya. They do. They're underrated. Don't, have to, don't make me rant again, Aaron. Light kicks win but, championships. That's it. Let's make them. I'm actually, I should. <laughs> but my thing is, um, with that fight, I mean, I'll take it like from a technical standpoint. When you're right, a good strategy for Romero is to counter. But a higher level, if you watch a boxer, you can't just sit there and just expect to counter. So what you have to do as, a, as an IQ fighter is you have to attack first. And that first attack could be lighter, it could be slower, it could be into the air just to get a reaction. But sometimes you have to strike first to get the counter from your opponent, and then you counter the counter. So like you have to play that game a little bit more where he was just sitting there in that high guard where he should have maybe threw a shot, got Israel to react, then he countered the counter. So that's called countering the counter. So I think more games like that could have been played. Maybe Romero attacking the legs a little bit more. There's so many other strategies he could have done, but he was just relying on one big power punch, and you can't you can't beat a, a striking specialist with one punch. And the co-main event, Joanna Jacek tries to defeat Zhang Veli and get her belt back. Doesn't go her way, but uh, wow, quite a fight. Might be one of the, uh, the all-time great fights in UFC history. Oh yeah, like I, I got, I was just cheering. Like I just loved it. I thought um, it was a beautiful display of violence, art, artistry, 
uh, you know, technical ability. Like in the fifth round, like both of them had still straight long snapping punches, good distance control. Like they fought classy. Like, I mean, it doesn't look classy because of like the damage, but like when you're a martial artist, you look, there's a lot of amazing things about that fight. And just the fact that they stayed so technical, even that fifth round, snapping punches, you know, the shots they were able to absorb with the damage they were showing. Like, it just had everything to make a, a, an amazing fight. And I'm so happy that, you know, it was, uh, they put the women's. And you could probably say it, you're a big believer in the women's being one of the more exciting fights. And they just showed it. Women's fighting is really starting to show really well. And I'm happy for it. How did you have it scored, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I thought Zhang won. Which rounds did you give her? Do you remember offhand? I can't remember offhand, but I just thought she was doing more of the damage when I was watching it. And the fact that, like, every time she hit you on it, she's snapping her head. Look at the damage. Um, I just thought her striking was more of the damaging strike. Where Joanna may have used her jab, picked a little bit more. But to me, it's about damage and who's landing the, the more damaging shots. And I think uh, uh, Zhang did it. So, uh, Combatch from Brazil are reporting right now that uh, the UFC event uh, that is supposed to be held in Columbus on uh, March 29th, I believe it is, is uh, now being moved to the Apex, UFC Apex in Las Vegas. So you're right. Yeah. So you're I think right. they're just going to keep going with uh, with this. I think so. What did you well, give me your take on the uh, on the girls' fight? Being there live, seeing it. Oh, it was just wild. It was like you said. It was just two fighters going forward, going after each other. Neither of them backed down. Um, I, I also had it scored for Zhang. I thought Zhang won rounds one, two, and five. To, to me, the fifth round was the deciding round. I gave Yuana three and four. I gave Zhang one and two. I thought the second round was, was close. Um, and I think that, you know what, I, if, I think that that fight could have been scored anyway, really. I, I thought the only real definitive round was the first round for Zhang. But I think one of the judges actually had Yoana winning the first round. So I don't really know. And I felt the same way about the main event. I thought that Yoel, they could have given Yoel the nod if they wanted to. It was just such a close fight. And that's what made those two fights, while different in terms of uh, pace and tone, uh, very similar. Is that I, th- I don't really think there was a wrong answer in terms of the judges' scorecards. So you think in that main event, it wouldn't have been bad if uh, Yoel got the win? No, I don't think it would have been bad. I mean, it's, those were hard rounds to score. Because yeah. uh, the fifth round, you could argue that Yoel had done more. Yoel, I think, definitely won the first round. I thought I scored the second round for Yoel. So that's three rounds, right? Like, I thought three and four were probably... Rounds you could you'd have to score for Israel, but I think that you could make a case that that Romero won three rounds. <clears throat> yeah, no, I agree. I I just think the the effective striking was from Adesanya kind of thing, and he was just showing a little bit more cleanliness, a little bit more control. Um, but yeah, I thought Adesanya won, but I I agree with you. I don't think it was crazy to see it, but I think I would have been a little thrown off if they didn't give it to Adesanya. To be honest. Yeah, I think that uh, that's not the right way to be the champion. But uh, then again, a fight's a fight. You score it round by round, and whoever wins the most rounds wins. Yeah, and that's the way it should be. So Charles Oliveira, Kevin Lee main event this weekend. Uh, looks like that's going to happen in front of a, uh, an empty arena. Um, what, what do you think about that fight? I, I personally love it, and I think this entire, card, this entire Brasilia card is fantastic. Uh, the Brasilia card here, I'm just trying to pull it up now so I can see it. Ooh. I don't have the card in front of me. I usually do. Sorry, guys. Give me your thoughts on it first, Aaron, while I pull it up. Well, I just think it's a it's an awesome fight. I mean, both these guys have momentum right now. 
Kevin Lee's a really smart fighter, but, you know, you can throw intelligence out the window when it comes to Charles Oliveira because if he gets your neck, you're in trouble. I mean, that's just what it comes down to. And uh, I think that Charles Oliveira, if he's able to win, it's going to be in the first or second round. If it gets beyond the second round, I think that's where Kevin Lee uh, can basically take over and win the fight, whether it's by decision or, or by a, a finish in the third or fourth round. I'd be shocked if it does go to a decision just because Oliveira tends to tire out as the, the fight winds down. Yeah, I think Oliveira's his unpredictability because he can strike weird, he, he can grapple well. I mean, it surprises to me that he's not higher ranked because of it. Um, but Kevin Lee, yeah, I think his in this fight, I think we'll probably have to go back to a little bit more of his wrestling. He did like that. He got that head kick in that last fight, which made him probably excited to strike again. But I, I definitely agree. The, the later it goes, Kevin Lee dominates. Absolutely. Um, do you have the card up, like up in front Oliveira. of you? Yeah, I do. But I like Oliveira. He's always an exciting fight, which, you know, win or lose to me, I think he always brings that entertainment value. And I'm with you. Even though we have Kevin Lee on the show today, I think that Oliveira is going to be a tough out for Kevin Lee. I just, from a matchup standpoint, I don't love it for Kevin Lee. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough one. I mean, it's, Oliveira would, could fight anyone, and I would say the same thing. I don't think anyone could easily blow him out of the water. But Kevin Lee, I, I don't know. He just continues to impress. Um, I mean, with his last fight against Gillespie, he looked incredible. Uh, the, the change to, to TriStar, you know, seems to be working well for him. Absolutely. Um, co-main event, Gilbert Burns, Demian Maia, BJJ Masterclass. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to see a striking fight then. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's what happens. Yeah, so, that is what happens. Although usually it's when it's wrestler versus grappler. You'll see. Uh, I mean, if you remember watching uh, Gunnar Nelson versus Demian Maya, I believe it was. Uh, they they were trying to grapple with one another, but uh, wow, Maya versus Burns—that's going to be pretty high level. Yeah. What's uh, who's your prediction? I think Gilbert Burns. I think if it's if if Burns does keep it on the feet, that he's got a, a pretty marked advantage in this fight. Um, I mean, Maya won't be able to handle him the same way as he has other people in terms of jujitsu. I don't think Gilbert Burns is going to shy away from the jiu-jitsu, and I think his defensive jiu-jitsu will be good enough to fend off what Demian Maia throws at him. I mean, that, that's just uh, how I see it going, uh, because I do think that Burns on the feet is, uh, is better than, uh, yeah, than Maia. Yeah, I was going to say, 100%, I would say Burns has the advantage on the feet. But uh, age as well, you got to think, how old is Maia now? Oh, wow, I think Maia's like 39 now, maybe? Let me look it up. And Gilbert Burns would probably, what, late 20s, early 30s? I think he's early 30s, yeah. So let's see, yeah, Demian Maya. Maya's 42. Never mind, that was way off. He's 42 years old, and uh, Gilbert Burns is 33. So it's about okay. a nine-year age difference. It's crazy to see. It's crazy to see. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so I guess uh, when we look at uh, UFC Columbus, you're going to see two huge guys, Jair Rosenstruck and Francis Ngannou, fighting at the UFC Apex, reportedly. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty wild. They should honestly have cameras in there because um, as, a, as a commentator, I love heavyweight kickboxers who can kickbox because of the sound. When you hear a, a heavyweight kick another heavyweight, the echo being ringside is just incredible. Well, they'll have that mic'd up. It'll be like uh, the, con- oh. the contender series. But like you won't hear the outside as much. But some, sometimes, I don't know if it's just my eye, but do they film the contender series, um, not the contender series, when they put the ultimate fighter show? the footage of the fight is different. They don't have maybe multiple camera angles or is that what the difference is? Because I don't like the quality of watching the fights on the Ultimate Fighter. It's not Ultimate Fighter. It's, it would be how the Contender Series is shot. So it'll be more like a regular production. 
I, I guess whatever whatever it is, as long as there's no crouching and you can hear the sound of a heavyweight kicking another heavyweight, it's a sound you must hear. It's music to the ear. Crazy as it sounds. You said it as your ringtone. Just the sound That's of it. Yair Rosenstruck oh. getting kicked by uh, Francis Ngannou. Oh, the one of the hardest shots I've ever seen and heard was Rico and Botter. Mm-hmm. Rico versus Botter, they opened up in an exchange, and I heard them like full power hit each other, and I was like, wow. I have never heard anything like that. Yeah, that's crazy. Prob- probably not something you would want to experience uh, from a, a person of that size. No, I loved it. That, oh, that, I would love to like be so close to it. Maybe not take a Rico kick, but being close enough to hear it's just amazing. If you had to take a Rico kick, where would you want to be kicked? Like if they said Rico Verhoeven is about to kick you, there's nothing you can really do about it. You just have to take it. Where, where are you going to kick? Be. I, I know how to block. So like, no, no, you're not allowed to block it. You're not allowed to block it. Oh, uh, not allowed to block yeah. it? I would uh, take a low kick probably. Low kick, yeah, it probably makes the most sense. I mean, you're not going to take a head kick. Head kick's out of the question. Head uh, kick's out. Uh, ribs hurt too much. Yeah. Liver's I mean, not. Liver, liver would be a bad right. option too. Yeah, yeah, I guess. No, leg kick. Probably like calf might make the most <laughs> Maybe Maybe no, thigh. You know what? Because my, the calf's not conditioned enough. So for me, it would have to be my quad. Yeah, Left, okay. Yeah, a right low kick. I like how quickly you were able to generate an answer. I like that we were able to workshop that together. But did you also realize that I had to say that it wouldn't hurt me before I said it? So I always have to phrase it differently. But yes, it would be a heavy kick. It wouldn't hurt me, but it would be a low kick. Yeah, not bad. Well, let's take a look at the rest of the card, um, at least the things that are going to stand out. Uh, Hanato Maikano moving to lightweight against Demir Hadzovic. That's going to be a a, a great back-and-forth stand-up fight. Um, Johnny Walker. Mokano is tough. I'm interested to see how he does at 45 because he, he's not exactly the biggest 45er. He's tall, um, but his frame actually I think is more suited to featherweight. But sometimes, you know, you don't cut that weight. You end up being better. Look at Charles Oliveira, for example. Oliveira should be for sure a featherweight. He's just terrible at cutting weight. He sucks at cutting weight. Yeah. <laughs> Mokano might actually be probably, yeah. probably a similar size to Oliveira. Yeah, he's, he's uh, just looking at his height. He's 5'11", too, so he's tall, lean. Who Mokano is? Yeah. Yeah, and Oliveira is 5'10". So it's almost the exact same build. Very tall, thin featherweights. Um, and now both of them are going to be fighting a lightweight in this card. And then uh, Johnny Walker coming back since his loss to Corey Anderson against Nikita Krylov. Walker training at uh, the uh, TriStar Gym in Montreal now, alongside yeah, Kevin saw, Lee. Yeah, I saw that. I saw GSP working with him. And uh, fun. It's cool. I think a lot of these bigger guys now seem to be going back over to TriStar, which is nice. Absolutely. Um, you don't see yeah. a ton of big guys. I guess like Francis Carmont is probably still there. That's probably who Johnny Walker was getting the most reps with. Yeah, that makes sense. But apparently Carmont's like a killer in the gym. Like he's a guy that nobody wants to go with because he's just so good. Is he competing anymore? Yeah, Carmont, I think he's in Bellator. I haven't heard his name pop up in years. Yeah. I haven't heard his name in years. Yeah, that's, uh, that's where he's, uh, he's been. Let me, when was the last, let me see when the last time he fought was. I'm pretty sure he fought somewhat recently in, uh, let me see, Francis Carmont. Unless he retired. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think... think so. I, I think he's retired. I'm going with retired. Let's see. Is, uh, no, it doesn't say he's retired. And his, the last time he fought was, oh, yeah, November 2016. That was a long time ago. That's almost <laughs> three, three years now. Uh, maybe yeah, he is retired. I, his name hasn't popped. His name hasn't popped. Oh, up. Bellator released him in 2018. So he's, I guess, either a free agent or he's just done competing and moved back to France. But, uh, yeah, he was at TriStar for some time. I mean, maybe I'll have to, uh, to ghost him on, uh, or uh, stalk him, rather, on, on Instagram and see what he's up to. Him out of, creep, yeah. him. That's the word I was looking for, creep him. I don't want to ghost him. He's not trying to contact me. But uh, 
Yeah. yeah, try not to stalk him. No, st- I don't want to stalk him. I don't want to creep him. I don't want to ghost him, but I will creep him and <laughs> see what see what he's up to. Not bad. Yeah, the creep's not bad. So uh, also, McDessie's on the car too, which is cool. I mean, he came to training me that one weekend, so uh, we kind of bonded and connected. So he's got a good fight with Trinaldo. I'm excited to watch. You think after the fight, he'll give you a shout out if he wins? Probably not. The best thing that happened was that one weekend Ever, I spent with Joe Valtellini. I learned more in that weekend than I have in my whole pro career. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, just learning about him and knowing him, like, it's just now I'm a little bit more personally connected to it. So I always like to fight like that, especially now when uh, having Kelvin Cater over, I'm heavily invested in that fight with Jeremy Stevens. Yeah, what was it like uh, training with Calvin? Calvin's a I good mean, dude. Amazing, amazing. The whole team's amazing. And, I mean, as soon as we met, uh, there's actually a video they posted. I should send it to you. A nice little five-minute clip. They brought his video guy in. Nice. And uh, show some clips of us training. I talked about him. He talked about the gym. We basically just talk about uh, the fight and each other. So Where was Rob Font? Um, yeah. what's, his, what's his excuse? Uh, Rob Font wasn't there. Apparently, he's recovering from some injury, so he wasn't, uh, wasn't able to come. But he's apparently really pissed. He missed <laughs> out. He missed out. He knows he missed out. They were kind of... So they'll definitely be back. We connected really well. Their manager, Tyson, just a phenomenal guy. Yeah, um, I like Calvin, Tyson a amazing lot. dude. I mean, just their whole team is amazing. So I can guarantee you they will be back many times in the future. So I'm happy to hear that. Um, Hopefully they'll join us in the studio at some point. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think he tagged you on something. They saw Yeah, Tyson, yeah. They drove by the building. Like, he said, where are you, Aaron? Aaron? I was, I was like, I'm in Vegas. <laughs> Yeah, I said next time, buddy. Yeah, you know, I I had heard that he was coming to town and uh, sent a request to his publicist to see if he could pop in, but the schedules just didn't align because I was leaving on the Wednesday. Yeah, but uh, it would have been good. Honestly, very nice guy, very humble, very cool, very willing to learn. Uh, so it just it went really well, and he came back. Uh, he came down because I work with uh, one of the Glory Fighters, Ross Levine. And Ross trains with Kelvin and Rob uh, at Lozon's gym once in a while for sparring. So then they connected. And so they all both, they drove down nine hours road trip from Boston. And yeah, I mean, just working with, uh, with Kelvin, just little things I've always seen when I watched him fight, like little things I would like to add a little spice of, you know, the kickboxing style, a little bit of my concept. So he grasps things quick. So he learns so fast. I mean, I it was just the connection was there. So I'm happy. I'm very happy I got to, to spend that weekend learning and training with him. All right. Well, Joe, I'm going to let you go. Uh, and we are going to hopefully reconnect next week. You're not, I'm guessing you're not traveling next week. And I know I'm not traveling for the foreseeable future. But uh, is that the plan? You'll be here as long yeah, as we're both in I'll good health. Here. As long as we're both in good health, I will see you in the studio. All right. Thanks. Thanks for doing this, Joe. I and, missed uh, it. I, you know what? I before you have to before we leave. What color plaid shirt are we wearing today? No, yeah. I'm I'm in a suit today. I'm in. I mean, uh, my, the on. suit is like it's not really plaid, but it's like. Uh, we have uh, to have I don't know some how to describe checkers. it. We have we have some. It's like houndstooth. It's like a houndstooth jacket. You know houndstooth. Okay. No. Okay. Well, can you can we, look up houndstooth. I gotta Google it. I'll yeah. Google it. Google but I that. usually I miss. I, I like to see the plaid in person. So I'm wearing suits a lot more these days. They're they're starting to put me on set more often, so I always have to you know come dressed to impress. But uh, yeah, but so usually no plaid the shirt, shirt under the suit would be plaid no, or your blazer. Plain plaid. gray shirt today. Although my tie, I guess you could constitute my tie as plaid. That would be a yeah. blue, uh, light blue, and I guess uh, gold plaid uh, motif on this tie. So that's okay. what you're missing right now. There we go. 
All right, Joe. I'll see you next week. I'll wear my best, my finest plaid. Yes. Yeah. Finest plaid, please. All right, Joe. Take care. We'll talk to you, man. Take care, everyone. There's Bazooka Joe. Now, a lot of people are suggesting that the UFC are being tone deaf because they're not canceling the events while other leagues are. Now, when I say other leagues, I use that term loosely because the UFC is not a league, and that's what a lot of people have to remember. In fact, I think that the um, concert tours being canceled by Live Nation is probably a more accurate comparison. The UFC has to be looked upon as a live event. Yes, it's a sport. It's a sporting event. It's a competition, and that's why you do need to take extra precautions because people are going to be you know, touching each other, punching each other. You know, Bodily liquids will be flying. So extra precautions do need to be taken in that regard, for sure. However, what the UFC are doing is mostly economical in nature, and I'll explain. So the NBA, every year, has 1,230 games. Now you're going to say, no, they have 82 games. No, they have 1,230 total games, if you look at every single team combined. The UFC have 41 events. That's, of course, if you don't include contender series and whatnot. But 41 events, give or take, per year. So when you see that uh, the annual amount that the UFC get is $300 million, and the annual amount that the NBA gets is $2.1 million split up between all of their different broadcasters. Sorry, $2.1 billion. I don't know if I said million or billion. But each game, if you do the math there, represents about $2 million. For the UFC, every event represents about $7 million. LiveGate does not play as big of a role in the UFC's business as it does in the business of the leagues. The leagues need that live gate. That's a big part of their business because they hold so many different games. Whereas the UFC holding one event per week with ticket prices that are slightly higher than what a sporting event has. But regardless of that, let's say that they were going to make a million dollars off this Brasilia event in terms of gate. They have to give up that million dollars because... Now, you know, then you're not going to have people attending the event. It's closed to public. So as a result of that, you're also going to uh, save some money on, you know, building facilities and and whatnot. You still have to rent the arena, but arena staff gets cut back. Um, You know, the amount of food you order gets cut back, all all of that kind of stuff. You, You also lose merchandise money, but regardless, set that aside. The big money for the UFC comes from content, delivering content delivering to their international broadcast partners to uh, their American broadcast partner, ESPN. So if they shut down these events, cancel these events outright, they lose that amount of money. Not to mention that the fighters won't get paid and that fighters that aren't currently booked will probably get bumped to later in the schedule because the fighters who's Bouts were canceled, will probably get rescheduled whenever they're able to, if they were to cancel events, of course. Now, the UFC is already booking main events in August. They booked, according to reports, Till versus Whitaker for the Ireland event in August. So when you look at that, you know, they're, they're not looking to cancel these events. They want to keep them. So for them to move these events to the Apex, the UFC Apex, it's a smart business decision. They're going to be the only game in town for the most part. Not a whole lot of sports going on. Everybody else has kind of canceled uh, or suspended operations for now. 
You got no March Madness. You got no NHL season, no NBA season. Baseball season is going to start late. So on a weekly basis, the UFC is going to be pretty much unopposed. You'll, you know, Bellator has one event from now until May. That's tomorrow night. NASCAR, I guess, is doing events, but that's during the day, so you don't need to compete with that at night. They're going to be pretty much unopposed. So from a business standpoint, you got that going for you. That helps your partnership with ESPN. But you've also got the money that you're going to be getting in terms of revenue. You've got more eyeballs on the sport. So I understand why they're doing this. Now, it is, you are you know, walking a slippery slope. It's a tightrope act if you're doing this. Because as soon as one of your players or athletes in the UFC tests positive for the coronavirus, COVID-19, that's when things get a little bit iffy. Because you have to look at how much your staff is exposed to it, how much other fighters are exposed to it. They're doing their best to insulate themselves from it by, by holding it in a controlled environment, the UFC Apex. I've been to the UFC Apex several times. Great facility. Doesn't hold a ton of people. It's actually the ideal venue to hold an event if you are trying to protect your fans, your athletes from the coronavirus. Las Vegas has not had many cases. You can try your best to insulate your people by holding events there. And I think that that is the ideal situation for them because the NBA and the NHL and MLB, they don't have neutral sites where you can just hold these events that are small venues. You know, they were looking at doing them in empty arenas. Instead, they just decided to outright cancel them. The UFC don't want to go that route. And uh, for that reason, I think that they are making a business decision that ultimately will benefit them. So with those events up in the air, you've got the elephant in the room, UFC 249. Now, the Khabib and Tony Ferguson have been canceled four times. And if a global pandemic isn't a good enough reason to cancel it for a fifth time, I don't know what is. However, with all these events being moved to the UFC Apex, I don't think it's out of the question that that gets moved. I mean, right now, New York's in a state of emergency. How things look in a month from now is anyone's guess. Maybe it's all cleared up. I'd, I'd say that's doubtful. But, you know, maybe the state of emergency is lifted. Maybe they're starting to do public gatherings again. Who knows? I don't think they're going to comment on that for a while. But what I do know is that if Tony and Khabib are both healthy, I think they're going to look for a way to make this thing happen. As long as, again, their business is able to operate as they plan it to without any complications from the coronavirus directly impacting their business and directly impacting their athletes, their fans, etc. It's hard to project right now. You know, we're more than a month away. But that's the thing that's on everybody's mind. In fact, Dana White posted a meme on his Instagram. It was a, a married couple laying in bed, and the woman, the wife is thinking, um, I wonder if he's thinking about other women. And the, the man is thinking, I hope the coronavirus doesn't cancel Tony and Khabib. It's interesting to see that he's taking a bit of a lighthearted approach. Now, this, of course, was posted before all of the different league cancellations, so you know, it's not as tone-deaf as it could be. But we're going to wait and see what happens with that particular one because of the very, very strange circumstances around it. Given that it's been canceled so many times, like I, I just don't know how this is going to end up playing out. I, I really don't. It's, it's a very it's a fluid situation. I mean, nobody can predict anything right now. You can just go by what you're hearing, what's being reported, but it's fluid. You know, if if. Like, for example, I was told by multiple sources today that the UFC Fight Night card in Portland is 
moving to the to Las Vegas, probably at the apex. That can change tomorrow. Who knows? That could be just be the plan right now. It's a totally fluid situation. So we're gonna have to see what happens. We're gonna see where things go from here. Now, looking back at last weekend, I spoke with Joe a little bit about it already, but Israel Adesanya versus Robert, uh, sorry, versus Joel Romero. When I look at that particular fight, that was a, a massive disappointment, of course. But I actually think that Romero had a really good game plan going into the fight. I think that he needed to adapt the game plan a little bit more and have kind of a, you know, that be step one and then have a step two and step three. Instead of looking, he just had a step one, which was to stand kind of stationary, let Israel bring the fight to him, and then try to hit him with a big counter. And Israel, to his credit, played it really cool, followed his coach's strategy, and he also said that he needed a kind of a plan B and didn't have one, but ultimately ended up winning the fight by decision. Imagine how disappointing it would have been if Romero won a decision like that. That's no way to win a championship. Both of them seemed to be angry at one another, and it seemed like Dana White put most of the blame on Yoel Romero's end. So I don't really put blame on either of them. I think that they just both came in with a game plan, and uh, neither were really able to initiate it to the standards that they had hoped to. Now, looking at the co-main event, of course, Ioana Janjicek, Zhang Veli, crazy fight. Ioana spoke to TMZ and said she wants a rematch once she gets better. I don't think that's in the cards. That's not to say that Ioana couldn't have easily won that fight. Like, those scorecards could have gone either way. It was a great fight, split decision, heavily, hotly contested fight. But with Joanna not beating Zhang and Zhang retaining the title, that's a tough one to, to give Joanna a rematch on, given her recent record. I think Joanna could very well beat Zhang Veili in a rematch. I'm, you know, I'm not saying she's not worthy of a rematch, of an instant rematch. But right now, the women's strawweight division is pretty stacked. I mean, you've got a lot of different contenders coming up, namely Rose Namajunas, the former champion, against Jessica Andrade, the former champion, at UFC 249 which may or may not be happening in Brooklyn, most likely not happening in Brooklyn, but we'll see. The winner of that particular fight, I think, should be next in line. I asked Dana White about the status of Tatiana Suarez, and he says that her neck injury is still lingering, and she hasn't really been able to get back to training. So she's kind of out of the mix now, unfortunately, for her. And you're going to see probably the winner of that fight get the next title shot. Now, here's where it gets a little tricky. Let's say Andrade beats Rose again. Like, do you give her the next title shot, even though she lost in like 42 seconds to Zhang Veli, whatever it was, less than a minute? I don't know. I don't know if she'd be, you know, that would be warranted. It would be basically Zhang's second title defense would be against the former champion who she absolutely demolished in their first fight. Now, Rose versus Zhang Veli, we're talking. Now we're talking. Like, that would be a fun fight. It wouldn't be fun for their agent, their manager, who both of them are represented by Brian Butler of Sucker Punch Entertainment. But it would be a fun fight for the fans. Brian might not be able to watch. He might be, you know, covering his eyes. You've also got uh, Robert Whitaker and Darren Till now in Ireland. They're scheduling fights all the way out in August. It's pretty wild. 
business as usual for the UFC, it seems. I mean, obviously, they're going to have to move certain events, but it seems like it doesn't seem like any of their events are getting canceled. If any of them do get canceled, I mean, next week in London, I think, is the only one that's in real jeopardy of getting canceled. But I also think they could probably hold that in an empty arena and they'd be able to pull that off logistically. It's an interesting time right now in the world of sports. Really interesting. Everything is fluid. You know, TSN's been on the air all day talking about the impact of the coronavirus on sports. And uh, that's going to be the, the, pre- the prevailing story for the next little while because it doesn't seem like these sports are in a hurry to come back. It doesn't seem like they have much of a game plan. Like, nobody has a game plan. There really can't be a game plan because we don't know where this is going to go. But it's a, it's a tough time for these leagues. And it's a tough time for, you know, everybody. A lot of people are trying to figure out what they're going to do and how to go forward with their businesses. A lot of businesses are just having their employees work from home. My son, I know his school now has March break for two more weeks because the elementary and post and uh, secondary schools rather in uh, Ontario are now putting an extra two weeks on March break due to the coronavirus and, uh, and public health. And I don't know how much longer that's going to stay. And I know some, some schools are taking a month off. Be that as it may, I think that this is a situation that looks like it's going to be getting worse before it gets better. And everybody needs to brace themselves for the reality that we might not have the UFC for a while. We might not have any sports, really, or anything that's going to happen in a, a large venue for some time. Who knows how long it could stretch? I'd like to take my son to go see Green Day in August in a stadium. For all I know, that you know, the coronavirus could still be a major factor at that point in time. All of the different industries are getting hit. You got the oil industry, you got the stock market, you got even cryptocurrency. It's all taking a hit. The future is totally up in the air in terms of where things go from here. So we just need to wait and see week to week, day to day, how things are going to go from here. Now, I did two interviews with Kevin Lee and Randa Marcos earlier this week. Kevin, when I interviewed Kevin Lee, none of this stuff had happened. No cancellations. I didn't even ask him about the coronavirus. So, you know, if you're expecting to hear him talk about the coronavirus, I, I unfortunately have nothing for you. But if you want to hear him talk about his fight with Charles Oliveira, I've got that. I did ask Randa Marcos about whether the athletes had some fears regarding the coronavirus. But, I, again, at that point in time, I didn't think that there was going to be an issue with, you know, fighting in front of uh, no fans. None of it had really happened at that point in time. So these interviews will be a little bit dated, and I apologize for that. However, this is the uh, TSN MMA show, and as a result, we uh, want to give you interviews with the athletes. So that's what we're going to do. First off, he's in the main event. Kevin Lee taking on Charles Oliveira. I can't wait for this one. This is just going to be an unbelievable, unbelievable fight. Two of my favorite fighters to watch. Charles Oliveira is my all-time favorite fighter to watch. I've mentioned this in the past. I've always been such a big fan of Charles Oliveira's fighting style, his, you know, you know, crazily offensive approach, always going for submissions. I put out a tweet. I can't remember the exact numbers. It was something like 22 submission attempts in his UFC wins, and 13 of those ended up being submissions. 
ended up scoring wins off of those. That's a massive percentage. Like, this guy is just so, so dangerous. And we'll hear Kevin Lee talk about that as we speak to the Motown Phenom right now on the TSN MMA Show. Coming off of one of the best knockouts of 2019, the Motown Phenom, or more recently, the Montreal Phenom, Kevin Lee looks to keep the momentum going in 2020 against one of the most dangerous fighters in the UFC, Charles Oliveira. But first, I've got to ask you about that pad in Brazil. I saw on Instagram where you were staying there, and it looked like uh, paradise. Oh, yeah. I mean, i got to get adjusted a little bit. Like you said, it's, uh, I've been up in Montreal for the past couple of weeks, so it's definitely a little different down here. And so I, I, if I'm going to get adjusted, I'm going to make sure I do it the right way. I'm going to be surrounded by some nice, uh, some nice scenery, for sure. So was that like right in the rainforest? It looked like you had a pretty nice view. Yeah, and on top of the mountain. So uh, it, it kind of helped even more. I'm sleeping up there at the altitude. It's just kind of getting me even more used to, to coming down here and doing my, my job once I get to the city. All right, so how did you get hooked up with that? That's it, the big question. It was nice. Airbnb. I ain't even gonna lie to you. Airbnb is the, is the shit. Every time I travel, it, it, that, that's definitely uh, that's one of my mainstays. You know, I kind of, I don't know. I, I feel like I kind of like what you said. You said Motown Phenom, then you said Montreal Phenom, and you know, I don't know. I, I just feel like the Phenom at this point. I, I feel like I could be anywhere in the world. So anytime I travel, I, I kind of like that because uh, I feel a little more in tune with the culture and, and the community. I'm up here speaking Portuguese to people and, uh, and, and trying to get by. Well, when you say like cappuccino, they don't know what it, they don't make cappuccinos the same way. Are you a cappuccino drinker? I'm not, but I, I do like a little bit of milk in my coffee. And, and yeah, you're right. They 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 totally confused by that. I asked for some milk, and a lady sold me a whole another. Uh, she tried to sell me a half a gallon of it. I'm like, no, nah, I just need a little bit, just for the just you know, just just so I'm not drinking it straight black. I'm not really sure what they do out here. To be honest with you, I don't know. Do they put more water in? I don't know. I haven't asked a Brazilian yet. Yeah, I asked for cream when I was there last year in May for the uh, the last pay-per-view. And uh, they gave me, like, this cappuccino that wasn't a cappuccino. It had, like, cinnamon and stuff in it. I don't know what they're doing over there with their coffee. Yeah, I'm going to have to ask somebody. That's, that's on the bucket list now. i got to ask somebody. So if you don't mind me asking, how much per night was that, uh, that Airbnb? And people should go to your Instagram and check it out. It's pretty uh, pretty breathtaking. I don't know. Well, uh, it's in it's in Brazilian uh, reais, so to me, it's not even like real money. I, I keep the same uh, mentality in Canada. I mean, you know, it, it, my my accountant ain't gonna be all that that happy about it, but uh, you know, it, 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 it's it's fake money at this point. I was hoping you'd say Johnny Walker hooked you up with it because you've been training with him lately at uh, in Montreal. Yeah, he he's been out here. You know, he kind of giving me a little uh, rundown of the city a little bit. Um, yeah, we we be uh, we 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 starting to make some ties together for sure. So a lot's changed with you in recent months. You've stayed off social media for some time. You haven't been doing too many interviews. Uh, how has that changed your approach to your career so far? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like especially for this one, um, it, there's no need to it. You know, the fight kind of sells itself. We match up real well. We do it on most well-rounded guys. Um, I, I don't know. I, I and and to be honest with you, I'm kind of curious to see uh, uh, what the numbers are going to look like after this fight uh, when there really is no drama leading up to it. I mean, a lot of people kind of overlook it, but um, I've headlined six times in the last two years, you know, and, and I'm putting up, I've am putting i been putting up impressive numbers. There's a reason why they keep having me do it. Um, so I'm kind of curious that, uh, to see uh, uh, what the intrigue really is without me, me putting forth that extra effort, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's a good point because – 
obviously there's a language barrier between yourself and Charles. There was the stare down, and that obviously causes some drama. But um, you know, not the kind of drama that you need to do on the microphone, but more you know the dramatic effect of staring another man in the eye. But have you been watching? tape on Oliveira because I have a feeling like looking at him face to face versus actually watching him do his thing are two different animals yeah for sure I mean uh, even when they first approached me with the fight uh, I wasn't like too hype on it I'm like okay I know Charles is kind of up and down and you know I, I was kind of wasn't really feeling it but then I watched tape on him and especially his last two or three fights and I see he constantly he's getting better he's getting better and better than, than what I remembered uh, because I'm, I'm thinking of Charles when he was like 22, 23, you know, I'm like, ah, oh, okay, he's not really uh, uh, on my radar. But when I see him recently and he's 30 years old and he's hitting his prime, I'm like, oh, okay, there, there's definitely something here. He, he's very, very dangerous. Um, and, and that's something that intrigued me even more about the fight. And like I said, what, what makes the fight sell itself, I mean, the, the, the arena is sold out just based on, on, on our skill level. Uh, and and that's what I think MMA should go back to a little bit. You know, I know I'm one of the guys to kind of push, uh, uh, you know, the the the, the big hype and, and everything. But there there needs to be a good balance. So he's shown in the past that as the fight goes on, he gets less and less dangerous. You know, Paul Felder really showed that when he beat Charles. Is that a strategy you're looking to employ? Is to kind of be a little bit more cautious in the early rounds and then really bring it to him in the later rounds, or are you just uh, looking to do what you did against Gregor Gillespie and really attack? Um, you know, I, I am going to use my experience uh, uh, against them. Um, like I said, I, I've had I've had six main events, so that means six fights that I'm getting ready for that are five rounders. Um, and I don't think he's ever been past the third round, so I, I'm definitely going to use uh, uh, my experience against them. And, and, and I would do that with anybody, even if they didn't uh, 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 show them tendencies in the past, because I'm expecting a much better Charles Oliveira. I'm expecting somebody who's learned from from that fight with Paul Felder. And since that fight, he's gone on such a big win streak um, that I'm not expecting him to really fade. But I will use my experience in, in the later rounds and knowing uh, uh, what it's like to go out there and fight for 25 minutes. I'm going to use that against him for sure. You know, it's cool hearing you talk about your experience. And then when I look at both you and Charles, you guys have very parallel careers. You guys both started so young uh, because you were so talented and, and continue to be so talented, obviously, and grow in this sport. But it's, it's cool to hear you say that because it, it seems like just yesterday that you were this young guy, this young up-and-comer in the UFC, and now you're a veteran. Yeah, I know. It's kind of crazy for me being in the middle of it, to be honest with you. And to come to that, that realization when I look around and I'm like, oh, you know what, there, there ain't a lot of guys who's doing what I'm doing in this sport. Um, so, I, you know, I'm kind of uh, I, I'm kind of always my biggest critic, but sometimes I do kind of look at it and say, hey, listen, I, I've been through a lot now to get here, and uh, I, it's time for me to start learning from, from that and, and really uh, hit my stride. Like you said, me and Charles, we, we are very similar. We match up real well, um, and, you know, the, the only difference is going to be I got him by a couple years. I'm, I'm the more experienced one, the younger one, the faster, bigger, stronger. I, I've got them by a couple attributes. So as long as I stay on my P's and Q's, uh, it, it should be a good night for me. So you've been at TriStar for about seven months now, um, working with Faraz Zahabi, with GSP. How's that been in terms of giving you new looks? And uh, and as you continue to put in work with TriStar, how's that elevated your game? Yeah, I mean, it's been amazing. Uh, like I, said, I, I, I knew that they, would, that they were cerebral, but... And then since being there, I, I, I get a different level of respect for it. Um, now I really, I, I kind of always knew I'm, I'm going to make it to the top. 
Like that that's always the thing. Even when I'm working hard and and we're kind of when going through my, my, my trials and, and tribulations, I knew I was gonna make it to the top. I just didn't know how I was gonna get there. I didn't have a path set out for me. And and, and with them they, he has a legit path set out for you. As long as you do these things right, uh then then it's gonna all make sense. He he almost approaches it like a I don't know, like a mad scientist or something, you know, and, and that's what I've been missing in my career. And since I've had that, I've just felt more focused. I felt more, uh, less stress. You know, it's, it's when you, when you, when you know what you got to do and you can go out there and get it done, it, 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 it relieves some of the, 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 the anxiousness and the stress. What about training with George St. Pierre? I mean, George obviously is at the very top of the food chain when it comes to MMA. I'm sure you had good training partners in Vegas, but training with George must be a completely other thing. Yeah, I mean, it's way different when you can rely on somebody's uh, experience like that. You know, I've, I've had a lot of great uh, coaches in my life, and they've been the, really the ones to kind of push me to that next level. You know, when I, when I, had, when I had a coach, uh, Sean DeJay was really my first head MMA coach, I'll say. Um, and, you know, he's the guy that kind of got, got me started in my pro career. He had already trained uh, UFC fighters before. So when he looked at me and he said that I could be a UFC fighter, I, I really believe them. And, you know, when you're a young kid like that, you you don't you think you might be able to do it. You know, I saw it on TV. I'm like, okay, I might be able to, but I don't really know. When he said I could, I I, I truly felt like I could. When when Robert Fuller said that I could be a UFC champion, I, I truly felt like I could, and we got to a title fight off of that. Um, so when George St. Pierre looks at me and says that uh that that he could really see some greatness in me. I mean, how can you not take that from the greatest of all time? And, and, and now it's giving me that added bit of um, push and that added bit of motivation that it, that I, I, you, you can't replicate that. You can't get it from nobody else other than somebody who's been there and done that. So to have George in the training camp and to watch him, see, watch him have him watch me train uh, is, is amazing. It almost feels like a movie, to be honest. What, being in there with him? Yeah, I mean, it's somebody who got me started in the sport in the first place. Uh, so to, to you know, to, to have it come full circle like this is like life already seems crazy enough as it is. And now it's like it, this is throwing it for a whole another ball game. And what's it like having Johnny Walker out there? He's somebody that's got to be giving you a lot of different looks. I don't know how often you're in there with him given the uh, the different weight classes, of course, but what's it like having Johnny and his his you know happy-go-lucky uh, nature around you guys at TriStar? Yeah, I'm definitely not. Me and Johnny, definitely not sparring. Definitely <laughs> not. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, one, one of the things I like is uh, over at TriStar, they, they, they'll have you spar and then they'll have you watch other people spar. You know, you can learn a lot from uh, from watching somebody else. So I, I sat back and I've got to see him prepare for this fight too, um, and he just does such amazing shit. To be honest with you, he he does some uh, some stuff that you wouldn't think about. Uh, he's very free in his mind. Um, I mean, I seen him jump over a leg kick and throw a right hand, and and before he did that, it never occurred to me that you could jump over a kick. You know, like it, it's little stuff like that that uh, that that I feel like adds to your game. Having having great training partners like that around, that's doing some shit that you 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 just not gonna think about. Uh, it's it, it's always it, all these are all added benefits. 
What's your favorite thing about being in Montreal? I know you're probably not used to the cold from being in Vegas for the last couple of years, but you did grow up in Michigan, so there's a little bit of, uh, of I'm sure, reminiscing in, in the cold weather in Montreal. But um, what do you like to do when you're in the city? You know, I actually don't mind it too much. I, I thought that the cold would bother me a little bit more. It, 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 it's actually very relaxing, you know what I mean? It, it, uh, uh, especially when I'm up there to work. Um, it, it kind of settled me down a little bit. I actually did not mind the cold at all. Uh, I definitely hit the North Face store as soon as I got up there, and uh, and people were making fun of me for walking around with my ski pants on every day. But I just didn't like the I just don't <laughs> like to be cold. Uh, it, the city itself is amazing. I mean, it's got some. Okay, if you if you ask me what I like the most about it, would probably be the women. Um, Montreal has some beautiful women, and they're all uh, uh, open and inviting. Let's just say that. <laughs> I was gonna say Montreal is not a great place for uh, guys that are married. Like you know, I when I'm with my when I'm with my wife in Montreal, I'm like looking at my feet. Yeah, you don't want to get yeah, caught, you don't want to yeah, get caught exactly. in, the, in the vortex. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, you got to be on your on your P's and Q's. But um, with me, I, I don't have none of that. All I got is the fight games. I'm married to the fight games, so. You know, she don't mind. She she she's a little jealous sometimes, but only around fight time, only three times a year. <laughs> the food's also good in Montreal. You got to give the food credit. Nah, that's where I got to stop you. That's where I got to stop you. I don't know. I I, I do hear that a lot. Um, I don't know. I don't know if people got the same taste buds that I got or or got the same uh, same palate. I, it's okay. It's okay. It's definitely not a reason I would say move to Montreal. I would say move for the move for the people, move for the culture. Um, people have been there so long; it's such a rich culture. Um, but I wouldn't stay for the food. Well, Kevin, you're going to the wrong places, but let's continue. We won't get into a debate about that because you'll probably beat me uh, in any form of competition. So uh, this past weekend, what did you think of the main and co-main event, UFC 248? Obviously, one a little bit more exciting than the other. Yeah, I mean that 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 co-main is just crazy. Um, as a fighter, you always want to have like a fight that 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 will really push you and maybe take you to the next level. And you're like, okay, I I do want to have. Uh, it, it's it's it, I mean it's crazy of us, but we all kind of do want to have a little fight of the night type fight. Um, I saw that fight and I'm like, I never in my life want to experience that. I mean, if that's what it comes to, then that's what it comes to. But the way that they were throwing just for five rounds straight, um, the damage that they took and just and just kept walking through it, I honestly don't want to experience that. I'm I'm good on that. I'm not that tough. Like it, it was amazing to me to see. You know, the, the next day was International Women's Day, I think. Um, and 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 for something like that to happen is just was just incredible. There, there's not a man tough enough that that can uh, that can take that kind of punish, punishment and still dish it out. I mean, I've never seen that in a, in a, in a men's fight before. It, it, it was crazy. As for the main the, event, who's the, to the who's actual, to blame for the uh, for how slowly that fight progressed? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I was I was more interested in that fight than, than a lot of people gave it credit for. Um, just because Yoel actually did make him fight. Uh, his fight, you know, yo, yo, yo was doing good in, in the beginning and, and kind of showed a couple holes in, in, in Izzy's game. Um, that I think is good for both sides, you know. Sometimes when you undefeated and, and you and you uh, on top of the world like that, it, uh, yo kind of showed that he's human. Um, so I feel like that's going to push uh, Israel Adesanya to the next level, probably. 
Um, you know, he's probably going to go back. He's going to look at, at, at where exactly he could have uh, he, he could have did better because I think it was on both of them. I think it was on Yo for not not engaging in the later round. Um, but again, the man forty two is like how much gas do you think he's got in the tank? Um, he was doing good in those in those first couple of rounds, and so very surprisingly for for the way that he fights. Um, I was interested in that fight. I, I, I didn't I didn't necessarily see it as a boring fight. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that people kind of got spoiled from that co-main event, and they were were bored by the main event. But it was a high-level chess match. I mean, you see Romero standing basically, you know, stationary in the, in the center, using kind of a shell defense uh, to, I guess, you know, fend off the kickboxing skills of, of Izzy, and kind yeah. of had Izzy flummoxed early yeah. on in that fight until Israel kind of started attacking the legs, saw that the takedown wasn't going to be there for Romero, and and went that approach. Yeah, I mean that's a very hard uh, that's a very hard fight. You know, when you when you when you're sitting there and you're thinking the whole time, uh, and you and you like, okay, maybe now, maybe you know, you you, you kind of playing a game of a cat and mouse. Uh, that, it's a very hard fight, even though it doesn't look from the outside looking in, it doesn't it doesn't look like they're doing too much. Um, I just know from being in there the whole time, your mind is racing, and and your mind is making up is using up more energy than any other part of your body. You know, versus you sitting there throwing and kicking, pitch, punching and kicking. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it, it was interesting to me. I, I guess it kind of you, you kind of really have to love the sport in order to love a fight like that. So I don't I don't necessarily blame the the casual people, but you know, I don't know. I was interested. I I, I liked it. I'm with you. Yeah, it, you're right though. It is exhausting to have that much. Uh, of your brain processing everything for 25 minutes, like that could be more exhausting yeah. than the kind of fight Joanna and, and Whaley had, which is just instinct. Yeah, and, and it gave me a little bit of motivation for this fight, you know, for, for Israel to go out there and keep that same uh, 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 focus the whole time is it, very hard, especially if the guy's not giving you much. So, you know, and, and, and for this fight, I'm going to have to be focused for that 25 minutes. I, I, I'm preparing for the best trials that there is. He, he's super well-rounded. I never know what's going to come at me. Um, you know, he, he throws all types of flying knees and, and flying uh, Superman elbows. And, you know, he'll, he'll do some crazy stuff, too. So uh, I got to keep my focus. And if he can do it against a guy like, you know, who's just standing there, it, that might not look like much, but that's very hard to do. Um, then, then, you know, give me a little bit of uh, added push to go out there and do what I got to do next Saturday. And finally, UFC 249 is in about a month, uh, about an hour from Brooklyn, there's a city called New Rochelle, and they've just quarantined the whole city. So if the coronavirus is the cause for this fight oh. to get canceled again, then the gods just have it in for us. It's just not, it's just not meant to be. But should this fight happen, <laughs> who you got? Mm-hmm. You know what? I don't really care no more. So I, I honestly don't. Uh, I, I want to say Khabib just because uh, I feel like he'll probably win. But honestly, I, I don't really care. I think people are overlooking the fact that if I win this fight with Oliveira, I'm the number one contender. You know, the, yeah, I hear that they're saying they want Connor to fight him and, and, and all this, but are you really going to give Connor a shot at after just beating Cowboy? You know, if, if I beat Oliveira, this is the third lightweight that I that I've beaten since uh, since you know Tony Ferguson didn't really beat me that night. I feel like anybody who watches that fight can see that, and this is the third contender that I'm beating since then, and all of them have been on streaks. So. You know, I, I'm looking at taking a number one contender spot and against either one of them. I want to see the Tony Ferguson fight again. I think a lot of people want to see it, and I've been calling to be for years. So uh, I'm gonna be in I'm gonna be in Brooklyn that night, and uh, we'll, we'll see.
right now it's all the and that that's solely what my focus is on. But uh, I'm gonna be there that night. We're we gonna make some noise. I, I didn't let people talk for long enough. Like you said, I, I've stayed off in social media. I, I kind of done my own thing uh, for long enough. After this fight, it, it's time to make some noise and, and take back over this game. All right, Kevin, well, it was great picking your brain. Best of luck this Saturday against Charles Oliveira. Really looking forward to seeing it. It's one of the best fights that they've made this year. Uh, so kudos to you, and uh, again, best of luck. I, I appreciate that. Thanks, my man. That was Kevin Lee, and from Kevin Lee we go to the only Canadian on the UFC Fight Night card in Brasilia. That's Randa Marcos, who joins us now on the TSN MMA Show. I'm joined now by Canadian strawweight Randa Marcos fighting in Brazil for the first time since your last bout against Marina Rodriguez in Sao Paulo. You're fighting in Brasilia this time. What do you like about fighting in Brazil? Um, I like the nice weather here. <laughs> but um, Lots of fans here. It's really exciting. Everybody gets in, into it. So I'm really excited to be back here and to put on a good show. Now you're coming off a win. You've gone back to the same old trend, the win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. I know you work with a sports psychologist. Is this something that you guys go over when you're coming off of a win? Um, it's not about uh, win-loss. Like it's just, it's like about my mentality and where I'm at. I'm, I'm, I'm in a different state, like right now, of, of like my skills and everything. So I'm going in there, uh, you know, like expecting to win this fight because of all the work I've done, and, and I'm not that same person. So, and what happens, like with the result, is is not in my hands. All I can do is try my best, and um, you know, try and get the victory, and whatever happens, happens. Yeah, we've talked about that in your recent interviews that we've done together, that you've kind of let go. You, you know, you're not going to believe in these kind of things with trends and uh, whether or not you should or shouldn't win based on, uh, you know, historical events. So walk me through what you have been discussing in terms of how you let go and how you go into these bouts with kind of a clear head. Well, um, first of all, like um, who I am now as opposed to like who I was you know, even in my last fight and the fights before, um, you know, I'm a, I, I picked up Muay Thai and I've been training harder. I've been I've been adding more technique to my skills. Um, mentally, I'm more clear-minded. I'm not as stressed. Like usually, I'm freaking out at this point, and I'm just like chill. I'm relaxed. I'm just you know enjoying the moment, enjoying every moment, and not really focused on the outcome. Just on what I can control, and everything else is not in my hands. You're facing Amanda Reba. She looked great in her last fight, handing Mackenzie Dern her first professional loss. Uh, what do you see in Amanda's game that you think you can capitalize upon and where your strengths are going to be able to uh, offset hers? So uh, from what I've noticed from Amanda Rebus, uh, she likes to throw. She likes to um, – she's, she's kind of like waiting for you to make a mistake so she can capitalize on her throws. So uh, that's one thing that I – I've noticed she's not very um, clean when it comes to her technique. I think she, I don't know if it's like uh, nerves or what, but she's very, very aggressive, very in your face, and she likes to put the pressure forward. So uh, th those are the, some of the things that I've noticed from her. And, uh, you know, uh, I've been working on how to work on that or how to be a, like, how to use that to my advantage to win this fight. So we'll see. In fights where you have had opponents push the pace on you, you've actually done really well in the past. Do you think that it's actually a strength uh, on your part that she is going to want to push the pace because you can utilize more of a wrestling-based game plan and take advantage of uh, that kind of mentality? Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. In you know the past, I, I'm very, very good at people being more aggressive. I, I, you know, as you can see in my fight with Claudia Godella, I was expecting her to be, you know, more aggressive and more like want to take me down and stuff, and she didn't do that. And uh, 
I, I feel like I'm a better fighter when somebody pushes the pace on me. So, um, but uh, I've been, you know, I, I've grown a lot since, you know, when I first started. So uh, I'm able to work both ways. So whatever happens, I'm ready for it. You mentioned that fight against Claudia. That was the last fight of yours that I covered on site. And watching it, it seemed almost like an out-of-body experience for you. Uh, what happened in that fight? I know you were able to rebound in your last one, but uh, looking back at that fight, what do you think was different from how you expected it to be? Yeah, I, it was just me overthinking. Like I said, you know, when I lose my fights, it's because of me. Um, I overthink I start to you know break everything down way too much and and like I went in there I put Claudia on the pedestal you know I looked up to her you know she's one of the top fighters for a long time and getting an opportunity like that I looked at it as an opportunity to fight you know somebody big but I am a big name as well so um I kind of like you know I and then I went in there and uh, it was like a we were both waiting for each other to do something the entire time, and neither one of us wanted to let go. I was expecting her to come at me and go for a takedown, and I would step back. Every time I'd attack, I'd step back thinking there's a takedown coming so I could capitalize on it. And, you know, it didn't go as planned, and I should have had a plan B. That's the, what it came down to. I should have had a plan B. I should have done the attacking. I should have went for the takedowns. And, you know, all I can do is learn from that and move to the next one. You fought three times in 2018, three times in 2019. There's a card coming up in Saskatoon this June. Is that a realistic timeline for you to turn it around if you exit this fight injury-free? Definitely. Um, I love to fight. I love to fight right away. I don't like waiting too long. Um, this is what I do. I'm a fighter. And, you know, if I can fight four or five times a year, I'm happy with that. As long as I'm healthy, I'm ready to fight whenever. The coronavirus has been a, a big deal as of late, and it looks like it's going uh, from, uh, sorry, it's not going to be getting any better. It looks like it's just getting worse. Uh, have you spoken to any of your fellow athletes in Brasilia? Any hesitations in terms of travel among you and your fellow athletes? Um, no, I haven't really been focused on that. I mean, we, we just, you know, got the plane right here. I think that was the biggest, uh, you know, kind of, uh, not problem, but like uh, we were kind of worried there but you know it seemed fine everything seemed fine and we got here hopefully everything is good everything's fine and everybody's good so i don't know it's, it's, i got more important things to worry about i know that's health obviously is very important but we're all good so we're not going to worry about it we're not going to stress about it right now yeah i guess uh like you mentioned you can only worry about what you can control and that certainly is outside of your control and outside of the control yes. of the fighters uh well thanks for this randa i appreciate it and best of luck on saturday against amanda rebus thank you so much that was Randa Marcos on the TSN MMA show. Stay on my Twitter account, at Aaron Bronstetter, for all of the breaking news regarding the future plans of the UFC, different events, if they're going to be moved, et cetera, et cetera. I'll try to keep you as posted as possible on any updates that may come. So thanks to everybody for tuning into the TSN MMA show. Hopefully some good news coming in the future. It looks like this is a very, very dire situation worldwide. And uh, everybody just take care of each other. Wash your hands. You know, stay in uh, close quarters where you're not going to be around a lot of people if you are able to. And, uh, yeah, just stay well and uh, take care of each other. We'll be back next week with another TSN MMA show. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.